This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a Media Week television podcast. This is James Manning, editor of Media Week. Joining me again, Andrew Mikado, our regular Media Week podcast and Friday columnist. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. It does seem a little while since we've had a chat, but I don't think it's been that long, is it? No, it's made Just, a lot. Well, the last uh, two we did, I think we did this stand and neighbours. We closely, and, didn't we? Correct. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, fair bit to talk about. Look, and everybody else is leading with this, so we might as well too. Married <laughs> at first sight. You can't oh, escape I knew you were it. Say that. There is no, es- <laughs> there's no escaping that show, is there? Well, because the end is in sight, I actually thought I'd check it out because I did check out when Aness and Sam left the series and they brought in those new couples. I went, I'm out of here. But I've come back. I watched it. I've watched the last two episodes. I kind of watched the one last night. Gee, it went on for a while last night, <laughs> Heidi and Mike. And mm. God, yes. Um, but I watched it on Monday night when there was actually a really lovely moment between the Greek girl and the personal trainer, is it Michael and somebody, whatever, they decided to stay together and it was very sweet and he yeah. said, I love you. And I thought, well, that's what the audience, if you invest in the show that long, yes, it's all water cooler stuff to talk about what one hideous person said about <laughs> another person. But, it, you know, the show is, you know, people are watching the show to see people fall in love. So I'm glad that uh, at my count they'd, they've at least got two or three couples so far. Saying they're going to stay together. Am I imagining things or has the tone changed a little bit, maybe as recently as this last week, where there's been a bit more of an emphasis on actual love and less of the scandal? Because well, I think only because the end is in, in sight. You, you can't keep creating new texting scandals when the show finishes. Oh, come on, you underestimate you know. these producers, <laughs> I think, Andrew. <laughs> I know. No, but I mean... No, I think they're going for... I think they're trying to go for a happy ending so that the, they can say to the critics of the show, yes, we had these we had these awful people there, That, uh, but, you know, look at it. We successfully had two, three couples, whatever it's going to be. And But I noticed that the promo for Sunday Night Show is explosive. This will be the most <laughs> explosive finale of all time. So don't count them out yet to have a couple of shocks at the end. Yes, okay. Okay, but it just <laughs> maybe I'm just overthinking it, but I mean when Hugh Marks was saying after a few weeks, yeah, look, I've had a chat to the producers. We we want people to to also realize it's a show about love, not sort of, you know, yeah. partner swapping and stuff like that, which I think might have even well, scared I- some of the sponsors too, you know, that emphasis on that content. And it just seems to look, be It's possible, James. They crossed a line when they aired that episode where the husband, in inverted commas, referred to his wife as the four-letter word beginning with C. Mm. That really kind of crossed a line because, you know, the 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 uh, experts immediately pulled him up on that and said, you don't call a woman that, not ever under any circumstances, and they're right. But people watching the show went, hang on, did mm. you see the way Aness was acting? That's the wrong way to, 
to call her, but she has been a pretty horrible human being. So I think pushing it to that level and having that word being used with language warnings and all that, that really kind of crosses a, uh, crossed a line in my book, I thought. Yes, yes. The... Um Look, we've, there's a show we'll talk about a little bit later, which there's plenty of C word, but I won't, I won't spoil that. We'll, we'll get to that in good time. Um, <laughs> I like Heidi and Mike as a couple. I think they're underrated on that show. See, because, I don't believe him at all. I, I just think I'm, he's a total douchebag. I don't believe it at all. I know. Um, but I, I like his indecisiveness. And that's, right. And I know that's probably... <clears throat> That's uh, maybe mean to her, though, isn't it? That's mean to Heidi, isn't it? That hurts her, I think, is indecisiveness. But but I think that's how a lot of relationships are. I suppose, except this isn't a real relationship. This is a TV relationship, well, and he's been playing well, the game since been, day but, one. But in theory, they're supposed to be making a decision now about a real relationship. Yeah. Aren't they? And let's see <laughs> how long it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a real life relationship, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But look, it's been doing fantastic business. It's um, been a massive hit with thirty nine episodes, forty. Is there just there's, there'll be a couple next week, surely? There won't be just one, will there? Well, I know there's they're, they're, they're definitely like pumping the Sunday one. Yeah, grand final. I don't know part one, two, three, or something. I'm not sure. I think there's something on Monday night. No, the last there's an episode on Sunday and there's an episode on Monday. And the reason I remember that is because Bachelor in Paradise begins on the Tuesday. So they have just waited for that romance show to finish, so that if you can just go straight into the next one, if you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bachelor in Paradise. Now, what is it about this? Um, is it a ten-minute conversation that that we get to see the whole? Is it unedited between um, Richie and Alex? Richie. Okay, so here's my thing about the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. I kind of dip in and out of those shows too, and quite frankly, when they go off the air. I really can't remember the names of any of those contestants. So I know Richie, I know he was The Bachelor, and I know there was some issue with some of the women, but Tana promising in their press release that there will be a, you know, 10-minute unedited conversation between the two of them that will be in split screen mm. so you can see every single piece of emotion. <laughs> so clearly something happened. I don't know whether the girl that, or the Goyle as they like to call them on those shows, I don't know whether they they clearly weren't friends by the end of it. Was she the one that was having a lesbian kiss with someone? I don't know. When those promos run of, look who's going into Bachelor in Paradise, I don't recognise the people. And mm. I don't know their names. Like, you have to be a real hardcore fan of that franchise to be excited about who's going into it. Because for me, I just look at it and go, okay, you are on the show <laughs> last year or the year before or the year mm. before that in America, but seriously, I've completely forgotten who you are. But then I'm not a, you know, obsessed no. fan about it. And maybe the audience uh, does know what's going on. I like the idea of bringing in American contestants we've never heard of. Yeah. It sort of interests me, but not enough to watch it, obviously. But but um, <laughs> I, I think it's a nice gimmick 
and people who like that genre would find it interesting, yeah. I think, people who have performed in the American um, series. I think so too because otherwise I just think it's really incestuous. Yeah. Oh, hi, I'm from season one. Mm. Let's make out mm. you're from season three. Like, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think it, it really helps to bring in some international people into that format. Sure, sure. Um, a few things to catch up on now. They've You've mentioned to me earlier this week something called Christians Like Us. Yeah. Which I think is sort of a sequel in a way. Correct. It was a sequel to Muslims Like Us, which aired last year. And basically what you do is you get a whole bunch of uh, people from the same religious faith and put them in a kind of Big Brother type house and stick the cameras in and start filming. Um, What happens, though, within those groups, though, is do you have uh, the almost lapsed or they just go to church a couple of times a year all the way through to the real fundamentalists. So what you get is those conversations between people who ultimately believe in the same thing but all have vastly different ways of uh, how they adhere to their faith. So with Christians like us, you get uh, a female Anglican minister, uh, you get a gay Christian, you get a very uh, fundamental Coptic Catholic, who is very memorable in the first episode, he talks about television and he goes, well, I watched an episode of Girls once and I had to go to confession and I never watched it again. And then I watched an episode of Game of Thrones and, well, yeah, I can't ever watch that again. It's just too full of temptation for me. <laughs> so <laughs> there's uh, that's what you're dealing with. So mm. basically what you get is you, know, you get those conversations and then there is uh, the first episode is very much because it's filmed around the findings of the Royal Commission into sexual abuse. And what you find is that... Uh, the lapsed Anglican in the house, he explains why he's lapsed. And of course, it's because he's uh, he was a victim of the most horrific mm. sexual abuse uh, by a priest. And he tells the story about what happened to him, his brother and his family. And, you know, it's just everyone Ooh. around him is just wow. completely, yeah, it's very full on. Mm. But yeah, so I think, I don't know whether it's a three-part series, because um, from memory, Muslims Like Us was three parts. But the first episode was great and really interesting, and uh, I think there's. I think even if you're not religious, I think it's still interesting to watch a show uh, to see what people believe in and to see how they uh, defend it and explain it. And you see all these varying levels of uh, how how strict they are with their faith. Yes. Now I'm pretty sure that's made by um, CJZ. The um I'm sure it is, yeah. Sydney-based production company um, made for SBS. Um, what I'm, can they do next? No, though, they've done Muslims like us, Christians like us. Wow, where would you go next? I suppose there's a few. I mean, there's... Um, I guess there is. Mm-hmm. Buddhists like us? Seventh-day Adventists like us? <laughs> or do they call yeah. themselves Christians? Well, yeah, see, the, there's a Mormon in the house with the Christians, And I know that that's a future storyline because, you know, most Christians say to Mormons, look, you can't just say that there was this extra Bible written just for America, you know, and I I know that's one of, uh, going to be one of uh, the talking points, I think, in episode two or three. Yeah. Could I just ask you quickly, going off topic a little bit here, did you ever have religion as part of your life at any stage? Yeah, I was brought up a Catholic. I went to a Catholic boys' school and I had absolutely no 
issues with it at all. And I've now discovered to my absolute horror uh, that one of the priests at our school has just been uh, tried and Mm. found guilty. And, you know, James, I just think, if this is this is how how close you come to it. I, here I was driving in New South Wales, listening to it on the news and listening to the details of talking about the tower and thinking I know exactly where that tower is. It was a room that we used to use as seniors. But I used to go up to the, we had a video room there with cameras and uh, old black and white reel-to-reel video recorders before VCR and tapes came out. And I would go up there and sometimes late at night, I would go up there at 10 o'clock at night, ride my bike up to the school, uh, ring the doorbell of the presbytery, ask for the key to the video room, and I'm pretty sure this priest gave it to me a few times, and then I'd go up into this little room by myself, tape things off TV. And I just think, thank God I never, ever got followed into that room because I would have been a sitting duck, you know, up there late at night by myself. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's turned out to have hit home uh, in, a, in a really spooky way. Yeah, Ooh, absolutely, absolutely. I'd like to, I'd like to think, though, that um, nobody ever tried anything like that because I had a very fierce mother. And I do okay. know that the priest, you'll love this story, James, the priest who, who's actually been uh, just been convicted, he was the careers counsellor and he said to my mother, I think Andrew would be good working in a record store. And she went off her nut about that and said, do you think I'm spending all this money to send him to a private school so he can work in retail? She completely lost the plot. So I'd say uh, that outburst probably uh, saved me. Yeah. Well, he he identified your passion for music anyway. Well, he did. And that's the really interesting thing about it. When I was working at Channel V, working for a music station, Mm. I remember having this conversation with my mother and saying, you know, he wasn't, he was trying to explain it. He just uh, presented it to you in a really bad way. Yeah. Yeah. He shouldn't have said working the checkout. No. (laughs) Um, Employable Me is coming back for a second season. Yeah, I've watched the first episode of this, James. It's just, this is just wow television. It really is. So this was a series on ABC last year that I watched and it's all about finding people who are impaired or have some sort of disability. And this series uh, begins with uh, this young guy who has severe Tourette syndrome and this lovely, lovely guy who suffers from epilepsy. And, you know, there's this, there's this scene in it where he goes into the careers counsellor and she says to him, what's your dream job? And he tells her and she brings it up. And the first thing it says is, must have driver's licence. And, of course, he can't have a driver's licence because he has epilepsy. And she just goes, mate, you can't ever have that job. And he just smiles at her and says, well, that's all right. We'll keep looking, shall we? And she goes, wow, your attitude's so positive. You see these people facing the most extraordinary hurdles in life. Um, and they just keep pushing on, trying to find the place that will give them a chance. And the thing that I remember the most about the first series of Employable Me was, you know, they would get these people who had severe social anxiety due to the type of autism they had. So they couldn't make eye contact and they're absolutely hopeless, uh, you know, meeting the other people in the office, but put them in front of a computer and ask them to find a potential bug in a new video game before it gets released 
and they're geniuses. Um, so it's all about uh, getting through all of that impairment and finding out what is that person good at and how can we uh, get them to do that. I-, I think it's a great series and it's it's something that reminds you that TV can do good in the world and it can educate you and it can give people hope. You know, there, there's probably other people out there with uh, some sort of impairment that are watching this show thinking, well, if they can do it, maybe I can get out there and have a good too. Um, excellent TV. Yeah, it's all moving stuff, isn't it? It's um, mm. Some of those people that work as carers with... Um, to, you know, they deserve a medal, don't they? Some of the, the good work that gets oh, done. Yeah, it's, especially the ones that have it, you know, their entire lives. Mm. They mm. devote their lives to it. Mm. Andrew, is Dancing with the Stars the best live show 10 has done since Australian Idol? Well, this was a story on TV tonight uh, written by David Knox and he kind of said, yes, it was. And I agree with him. And most of the comments on that article also agree with him. I have been absolutely astounded by the production of this show. That set with, you know, uh, the ground floor and then two balconies above it all Mm. the way around for the audience to watch. They the LED dance floor where they have the overhead camera that looks down and they can light up that floor. I mean, incredible. I mean, I just think it's such a tragedy that it's been up against Married at First Sight and it hasn't rated as well as it it could have up against such a mammoth competition because I I do think that it, uh, as a piece of live television and as a production, it's been extraordinarily good. And you say in a way, it's it's almost a better work than Australian Idol because Australian Idol was pretty simple, wasn't it? I mean, they did some yeah. nice productions, but more or less it was someone coming up to a microphone and singing. Yep. You know, and they they sure they presented in different ways than my memory is anyway, but um, but this is just really and over the top. And they would do those amazing, those amazing grand final, grand finals. Yeah, and they'd have Sydney special theme nights where they'd... Um, yeah. They'd stack on, like people would come out maybe in period stuff or dressed in the genre they were singing to. Mm, mm. But this is pretty much over the top every week, a big deal, isn't it? It's just such a shame that, that that when they've chosen to screen the show, it's a shame that I know they did, you know, the all new host and all new judging panel and all of that. But if they had just copied the one thing from Seven, which Seven used to do was that, that it was never a summer show. It was mm. something to watch in winter, you know, and it's such a feel good show. Uh, it, it's just a shame that it's been, I just think it's been a mistake to do it the same time as Sunday Night Takeaway. You know, I just think 10 have kind of peaked a bit too early this year with these shows and if they had, they must have known that Married at First Sight was going to be huge and here they've gone in with these new, hugely expensive shows and they're not working against it and everyone's going, oh, yeah, look at 10, you know, they can't ever get a break and it's like, well, God, 10, didn't you look at the potential threat? I suppose they had to start with something for 2019, but it's a shame that uh, particularly Dancing with the Stars, which has been so fantastic, uh, has, not, has not had better ratings. I guess, but you, it's not a flop though, is it? I mean, you could call it a success, no, really. I, I mean, you, you'd say Sunday night's probably a flop. Sunday night Wouldn't isn't, you? and you know, the numbers That's, keep going down, but yeah. has Dancing with the Stars remained fairly steady? I think so. I mean, it might be down a little bit, but 
But it's still, That's I think it's... a tough night, James. Oh, it is. Yeah. Monday night, mm. Australian story on the ABC, Four Corners, My Kitchen Rules, Married at First Sight. It's like the toughest night of the week mm. for well, 10. Yes. Yeah, no, it is very tough. Very tough. Um, now, you've talked about this series before, I think, Mum coming yeah. to the ABC, and I guess it'll be 12 months after it's been screened on BBC First because that's the window that the ABC has to wait for, I think, for those programs. Yeah, it's just a, a tiny little quiet BBC sitcom. They've screened two series of it on BBC for First, and the first episode opens with this, uh, you know, woman superbly played by Leslie... Manville, I think her name is, and uh, she's getting ready for the funeral of her husband. And she has a dopey son. He has uh, an absolutely brain-dead girlfriend that <laughs> says really inappropriate things to her all the time. Kathy, Kathy, I always hear that voice of the <laughs> the, the, the girlfriend talking to the mum. And then she has uh, the husband's parents who are old and kind of a little bit heading towards dementia and then this and she's got a brother who's married to this really horribly snobby woman that is looking her nose down every time she has to cross the boundary into her into Kathy's house but the the best friend of the husband clearly has designs on her now that she's a widow but he's you know he 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 doesn't want to make a move too soon and he's just always there in the background and you just watch this slow burn going on it's going to be mum is going to be on ABC on Wednesday nights so I think it's it's going to go the weekly and uh you can't ask this QI and then mum. It's on at 10 p.m. at night and it'll be on iView. Really highly recommended. It's a beautiful, beautiful show. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love, um, I've, I've only seen a couple of episodes, but um, yeah, Leslie Manville's great in that lead role, isn't she? Fantastic. Yeah. A little bit of trivia. She used to be married to Gary Oldman. Did she now? There you go. Yep. Well, I'll raise you up the trivia. <laughs> Gary Oldman's sister is in East EastEnders. She's Mo, the old really? kind of one at the bar that, you know, rough as guts. And that's Gary Oldman's sister. It always, every time I see her, I think, I can't believe you're married. To, you're uh, the brother of Gary Oldman. Hmm. Okay. Well, Chuck, since we're on a roll here, and um, Leslie actually turned down an invitation to join the um, dance troupe Hot Gossip. Remember them from the... <laughs> Yes, I do. It'd be the 80s. It'd be the 80s, wouldn't it? The 80s, yeah. They would kind of be, would they in the be in the background of like a show like... With Kenny Everett show. The two Ronnies like or that? French and... Oh, yeah, they, yeah. A kind so. of a comedy variety show and then it would cut to this dance troupe. Yeah. Hmm. But you could never really get away with that these days because they were <laughs> dressed pretty inappropriately from memory <laughs> as a youngster. Yes, that, <laughs> I did notice yeah. them when they wafted onto the screen. Sometimes dressed in that kind of thinly attired you'd see on aerobics Oz style at that same in the that's morning, the gear, right? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, Veep is back for the final season. There's only now there's only yeah. a handful of episodes, isn't there? Yeah, there's less this time. There's only seven. They normally do about okay. ten, right? Um, and there's been a massive delay because Julie Louis Dreyfus had cancer. And this is the first, although it's the final series, it's the first 
series of Veep to be written and to be aired after Donald Trump became the president. Okay. Now, she exists in her own world. Mm. She never references Hillary Clinton or any real-life politician. Selena Meyer exists in her own universe, uh, but everyone's sort of looking to the show like, how are you going to commentate on America today? And I've watched the first three episodes and I've read a few of reviews and I, I think I do agree with the reviewers that are saying that what they're more concentrating on for this final season is the people who vote for it, more or less presenting a raft of new politicians all in the race to be president and sort of saying, well, you know what? You get what you vote for. Mm, mm. (laughs) I think that's their commentary on Trump um, because, I mean, we've always known that Selena Meyer is just uh, a narcissistic uh, woman out for any sort of power she gets and she couldn't care less about uh, the country or, you know, people's needs. But there is this this, uh, kind of, oh... Midwest yokel in this one who is so politically incorrect. It's unbelievable. And this poor Harry guy running around trying to say, don't say that. For God's sake, don't open your mouth. So yeah, it it basically presents a whole bunch of candidates, all of whom are pretty much as unsuitable as the last one. And Hugh Laurie is back too, picking up that storyline from a few seasons. Yep. Um, It's part of, this is quite a Bit of good stuff on Foxtel at the moment, isn't it? Now, so that's on on is it Tuesdays? It's Barry's yes. also on that night, and a new thing yep. called What We Do in the Shadows. Right from so New Zealand, is that right? Of, or is it? Or is it? Well, a yeah, it's from what's from, from New Zealand Creative, right? Yeah, so Germaine Clements from Flight of the Concords and Taika Wakiti, who's the director of Thor Ragnarok. They made What We Do in the Shadows several years back, a mockumentary about 500-year-old vampires living in a share house in Wellington. It was a terrific film. They've now spun off a TV series called Wellington Paranormal, which has been screening, I think, on SBS Viceland. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing a TV spin-off, but it's not set in Auckland. It's set in America with different vampires, but it's the same thing. They're living in a share house and it's about their day-to-day lives or maybe their night-to-night lives, given their vampires. Um, but the same creative uh, is behind the show, so I expect it's going to be really funny. So that's three absolute uh, brilliant comedies, all of them quite black in their own way. Veep, Barry, and What We Do in the Shadows, all screening on Fox Showcase, premiering every Tuesday night. Staying with Foxtel, Broad City, also a final series. Is um, is it just finished? Yeah, it's just aired. It's, its last episode has just uh, gone to air. And I must admit, I watched what I thought was the last episode Um, and it kind of ended and I kind of thought, oh, that's kind of like a bit of an odd ending for it. But I thought, well, that show's always been a little bit out there, so maybe that's the ending. But I've just realised there is another one to come. So it's about these two girls that live in New York City and, you know, it's it's been running for five seasons and they're hilarious. And in this last, in, as the show's winding down, uh, one of them is moving uh, to go to an art college and finally breaking up this, this very 
very codependent, hilarious best friends relationship that they've had. And uh, so obviously there's one more to go where they um, before she heads off. But it's been a great show. There's a lot of fans for Broad City. I think it's made for Comedy Central uh, in uh, the US and it's screening here on the, the Comedy Channel and it'll be there to watch on Foxtel streaming or something. So I'd better figure out how to see that last episode. I want to know how it ends. Okay. Okay. Now, um, City. earlier in this piece, I referenced the C word might crop up again. Did you have an idea what I might have been talking about? No. no. What show have they been saying? The that Dirt is? on Netflix. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, wow. I haven't finished wow. watching The Dirt oh, yet. Oh, I have. But what about that opening scene oh. leading into the opening credits? You can describe what happens. I'm not touching it. I'm not describing it. I, I, I can't figure out a way to say it nicely that I won't I get arrested. So I've never really been a Motley Crue fan, but of course mm. we all know who Tommy uh, Tommy Lee is because yeah. he married Heather Locklear yeah. and uh, all of that. And... I th- and I saw it there, and I th- and th- this is what's so hilarious, James. I thought I'm going to check this out because there's been so much talk lately about biopics mm. and biopics that are toning down the content, specifically right. Bohemian Rhapsody going for a PG rating, and everyone saying it should have been harder. Mm. And I thought, well, I wonder what they'll do <laughs> on Netflix. Uh, they haven't toned anything down. Oh no! Holy hell! Explicit. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? It's just... So I'm halfway through it. I haven't seen the end of it. And once I went, okay, so we're going there, are we? It mm. immediately uh, perked my interest and, and, and now I'm, uh, uh, you know, in the middle of watching it. Yeah, no, you've, you've got to see the rest of it. Just They don't shy away from anything, you know? It's just, wow. No. <laughs> that, that Ozzy Osbourne stuff beside the pool. Oh, my Lord. Well, I haven't got to that haven't bit yet. Haven't you got yet. that? I was oh. watching it late at night okay. and I started to drop off and I thought, you can't fall asleep in the middle of this movie. Mm. This, It's time to switch it off and go to bed and come back and be fully yeah, alert well, to watch it. Because well, get I ready thought, for... I um, can't miss a minute of this. Yeah, get ready for um, Ozzy Osbourne's appearance. <laughs> and then wait. Nikki Six. I'll just... T- I won't go into the detail, but some of the highlights from their career. I mean, Nikki Six virtually died... And they, uh, somebody even published an obituary, I think, but before they managed to bring him back to life because he had a, a massive... The heroin overdose, yeah. I would assume, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. And some of the scenes with that, wow, it's very full on. Oh. It's very full on. So and I guess the... Th- I remember saying to someone when they were criticising Bohemian Rhapsody and saying, oh, you know, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't gay enough about Freddie Mercury's mm. life. And I said, you know what? Netflix can go make a six-part biopic about Freddie Mercury down the road and make it really, really explicit. The band Queen were involved in this movie and they wanted to make a family-friendly movie, version of their story for their fans, they should be allowed to do that. But the, the, but the potential is there down the road, and it'll be someone like a Netflix that will say, no, 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 let's go back to this source material. Clearly there's a huge audience for Queen. We will get that movie mm. down the track. So let's let Bohemian Rhapsody be what it is and know that Netflix, as they've shown with the dirt, won't shy away from uh, dangerous stuff. Yeah, you're going to love the Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear arm. Scenes. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and and the um the Vince Neal's manslaughter. 
um, charge is dealt with too. Wow. I won't I won't spoil that because there's probably not a lot of people who've got through that yet, but you, some people remember what happened. It was a pretty famous case and it sort of dogged him a little bit through the rest of his career. Um, yeah. But it's amazing and I, I just love it. Uh, I think it's David Costa Beals, his name, the actor, who's in Billions as well. He plays right. um, Doc McGee. They're sort of larger than life. They're famous manager. He's just brilliant. Right. He's just brilliant in this. He is so good. Look, I, I love him in Billions, but he's equally as compelling in this, maybe more so, I think. But there's some great, wow, ca- there's some okay. great cast in this, actually. Um, Pete Davidson yep. um, is there as the record guy who, who signs them. Um, oh, yeah. Signs them to a record deal, yeah. yeah a, well, so, I've watched that and I didn't even recognise it was Pete Davidson. Wow. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to. Um, yeah, because he's got long hair. Look. He's got the, the long hair. Yeah. This, but, um, but yeah, how, how do they look, those guys? So it's amazing, isn't it? The sort of the one of the ultimate hair bands, I guess, you know, from the. Um, yeah, absolutely. From the 80s. I saw them live in Sydney too back in the day. Did I, you? What? Are yeah, we talking late like, 80s? Um, probably mid. Was right. that? Was that? Was it? Um, girls, girls, girls tour. I can't remember the name of the tour. Oh yeah. But yeah, that was amazing. With Tommy Lee, it w- was in a cage. He drummed in a cage. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and the soul suspended his, over the stage. Correct. And the soul, his drum solo was the cage spinning around. <sighs> it was, <What>? um, <laughs> which they reference. And, and you've got to stay. The end credits are just fantastic. Watch it right wow. through to the end. The credits are wonderful. They intersperse real life with the um, yep. with the actors. It's just fantastic, and they've just recorded oh, some stuff wait. with the guys. You know, well, that's yeah. I mean, it, it is a hard watch at times. I've got to be honest. That um, it is, and you've got to pick who you so, watch it with because some people are just gonna go out of the room straight away and go, "Whoop, no, this ain't for me." <laughs> So are you saying then that if the real-life band members participate in the end credits of the film, they, they were, they're clearly a little bit involved and, and oh, I think so. it and okay Because it's based the film, on the right? book that they all sort of contributed to. Correct. And I think that they'd be all... I remember all, that book. It's a huge seller. Yeah. They'd be all very happy that the, the I think, the film doesn't skirt around anything. It's just all there, right? right? It's just all presented yep. up, you know, for all their, all their foibles. Gee, they had some. Um, but it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just all laid out there for you, you know. Um, so yeah, no, so it sounds to me like if the closing credits are great and the scene going into the opening credits, it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, it's this is a film and a half, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's just, yeah, it's incredible. I just, I knew as soon as I started watching it, I, I wouldn't be able to do one. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to stop yeah, of course. It's good. But I, uh, yeah, as I say, I had to watch it by myself, though, because it's not a film you, <laughs> you share with anybody. You need to okay. know a person's limits before you watch it with them, you know? Right. Because yeah. there, there are some shockers in there, especially wow. in the, the, near the start. Okay. Also on Netflix, David Attenborough. This is we go from one extreme to the other, isn't it? Motley Crue segue into David Attenborough. Um, yeah. Our Planet, starting this week. I. I, I don't know a lot about this, but Rove went over to interview him, went to London to yep. interview David Attenborough, and it was interesting because it was on Network 10 and they had to plug Netflix during and after mm. the interview, which was sort of, I think that's sort of an offer that most of the other networks would have passed on. 
I would go, yeah, look, it'd be great to talk to David Attenborough because nine shows David Attenborough content, ten shows David Attenborough and content. And ten The shows. ABC and does. the ABC. Yeah. yeah. But I think the deal breaker might have been, and I'm just guessing here, maybe no one else was offered it, but the deal breaker yeah. could have been, yeah, look, we're not really going to promote Netflix. If you want, you know, if you want to watch this series, you have to go to Netflix. No, we can't mm. help you. But some of the reviews... My are, understanding... Go on. Go on. My understanding of what the show is about is it's, it's uh, probably David Attenborough's most uh, most searing look into climate change. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's he, he's talked about it in some of his specials of late, um, but I get the impression that this series is very much about climate change. Right, yes, yep. Well, it's going to be worth watching. And who better to chart that than him, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that came up on an interesting episode of Four Corners this week too. If um, yes, if anybody's interested in that, it'll be on iView for a little while. And uh, that was uh, yep, that was a good episode too. Um, look, let's we've got a lot lot on this list today. Let's belt through a few things here quickly. Um, now, one day at a time. Now, Netflix have cancelled that, right? Yeah, they have. And it's interesting because Norman Lear, and Norman Lear's like in his 90s now, you know, the great genius behind All in the Family and all those incredible shows from the 70s. He did the original One Day at a Time. Now this new remix was, reboot was done with Rita Marino to give it more of a Latino flavour. Netflix cancelled it after two series. Norman Lear reckons that he's got interest from other players who want a third series of it. But this is what's so interesting. It's come out that when Netflix cancels a show, no one else is allowed to take it for two years afterwards. But Norman Lear is making a personal approach to Netflix to say, come on, guys. Um, So it'll be very interesting to watch and see uh, if they give in to him. Mm. Mm, so it wouldn't be good PR if they say no, would it? No, especially not if Norman Lear died and then <laughs> went to his grave and said, I wouldn't have died so quick if yeah. Netflix had kept me alive and given me another series. Yeah, yeah. thanks for Norman Lear knocks on your door, pay attention. Yeah. I mean, you can understand the commercial um, reasons Netflix have after that in their contracts, I guess, but you would expect them to make yes. exceptions at time. Well, I do know for a fact that after 10 took Neighbours off Seven in that infamous move back in the mid-80s when Seven cancelled Neighbours and Ten took it over and turned it into a huge hit. Uh, TV series, Australian TV drama series now, we'll we'll probably never see that happening again because they all sort of, uh, my understanding, because I remember I was working on Paradise Beach, Paradise Beach got axed, Channel Ten wanted it. Channel 10 were never going to get it because after the Neighbours experience, uh, everyone had made sure that if they axed a show, that was going to be the end of it. Right. Okay. Mm, interesting. Um, have we talked about Afterlife, Ricky Gervais? Hmm. I don't think yeah, we I think have. we did. I think, did we? Well, maybe. Maybe it was coming and we said it was coming. I mean, oh. I just watched it pretty much in one day. I thought it was fantastic. That's great, isn't it? That's great. Beautiful. 
so, so uh, hardcore Ricky Gervais, you know, the, the nastiest, blackest <laughs> comedy around, yeah. But this beautiful uh, storyline through it of try, that man trying to find some joy in his life after his wife had died and, and sort of getting there towards the end. It was, you know, it was very touching in times. He's a very clever man to be so horrible in, in one uh, scene and be breaking your heart in the next. Yeah. The um so he plays Tony Johnson a sort of a regional English newspaper man with <laughs> with not not the most exciting uh, stories he chases during the day. But the dog in the series no. is called Anti. It's actually Ricky's dog, which I just found out. Yeah. Which He's is, a big dog man. Yeah, yeah. There's um there's a podcast series called Walking the Dog where the host has different guests on and they record it while they're actually walking their dog. Really? Yeah, and Ricky's oh, okay. Ricky's done one of those episodes and it's quite fascinating. It was so uh, good. Well, uh, that's when I listen to my podcasts. When I'm walking the dog oh. is when I'm on a podcast. Well, same. I actually listened to Walking the Dog podcast with Ricky last night while walking <laughs> the dog. Well, so, oh, yeah. great. Okay, yeah. I've got something new to add so, now. Yeah, well, I want to I check out who else is in that series. It's, it's, it's a good idea. And they're, they're, nice. they're very relaxed, of course, because everybody's relaxed when you're out walking the dog and you're just chilling yep. back and you, because, you know, the, the dog's having a good time. You're happy that the dog's happy. <laughs> exactly. But, but, yeah, no, so look out for that one. Um, Restoration Australia is a little show I've locked onto on Sunday nights. It's uh, made by yep. Fremantle for the ABC. Stuart Harrison is the host and they, they pick, there's only six episodes in this season, I think, and they pick out a a home that somebody's taken on a project to bring it back to life, bring it back to its past glories. And I've just found okay. it fascinating so far. They started with a house in Perth, a, 60, a classic 60s house in Perth, um, obviously quite a wealthy owner because he spent a lot of money on getting it back to sort of its pristine condition. Um, they had a little house. Now, where was it? It was a little country cottage somewhere. Was it in New South Wales? I can't, but that was that was interesting what they did then. They had a house in South Frankston down in Melbourne. I think this was another yep. 60s project that a couple took on. Did some great work bringing it back. And the one on this this coming Sunday night, we're recording this on a Wednesday, um, first Wednesday in April, the one on the Sunday night is an 1840s homestead, which just looks fantastic. I mean, I'm big on these sort of dropping out of the rat race and, and doing what you yeah. did, Mr. Mercado, getting out and... Enjoying uh-huh. other parts of the world away from capital cities, um, but it just it's fantastic, and they're all on iView. If you want to um, check in, the renovation show I'm waiting for is uh, the Brady Bunch house being taken back to the original '70s house as per the TV series. Okay, they keep uh, teasing it on Entertainment Tonight. It doesn't screen in America till they keep saying the fall, which is more than six months away. But all the six of those. Uh, actors who played the kids are back and they're renovating it. And the last time I saw an update, there's no space in the roof to have an attic. So they're putting Greg's attic bedroom, they're building it underground in the basement. So the only difference will be the stairs go down instead of stairs go up. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's... 
you know, you might remember the house was for sale a few months back. Yep. Lance Bass from NSYNC wanted oh, to buy right. it and yep. this network HDTV bought it and they want to make a TV show about it and, yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Um, a few quick things. Manhunt finished this week. That's the Martin Clunes. Did you get to see any of that? I watched the first episode yeah. and I haven't got back to watch two and three. Did you stick with it? Yeah, well, I, 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 it was one of the ones I saw in England earlier this year and I banged on about it a bit oh, for our first podcast yep, back this yep. year. And, um, you know, I, I didn't get to sit through it again. I, I would have if I'd had time. It was that good, I thought. Um, yeah. But it did pretty well. The the catch-up viewing numbers have been huge. I mean, it was over 700,000 Metro, so it'd be well over a million national, the figures for, for these episodes. And that's really good stuff these days for um, broadcast TV. Jodie Whittaker's... Um, little drama called Trust Me. I've got a feeling I've mentioned this before. It was on SBS and that little drama slot they've got it, I think it's 9.30 Thursdays. Yep. And I was treating that like the start of my weekend, Andrew. It was, <laughs> it was that good. Thursday, I used to, Thursday drama. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking, oh, well, it's Friday's tomorrow. That's almost the weekend. So it was, but I was really yeah. enjoying it. It was a great little series, four episodes. She pretended to be, she was a nurse. She pretended to be a doctor. And yep. it was just fascinating. Which is a kind of believable premise, really, because they always say that a lot of nurses uh, are watching and seem to know what's going on better than the doctors who flit in and out. That's right. That's right. They're with the patients long term. The doctor's in for a few minutes every yeah. day. And um, yeah. yeah, no, it was, it was fascinating. It was really worth checking out. Something I'm looking forward to, Killing Eve Season 2, uh, yeah. is dropping on iView from Monday the 7th. So they're fast tracking right. it, they call it, or express from the US, whatever the terminology is, which iView doesn't do much of, and I think they should do more of that, yeah? Yeah, they do it for Doctor Who, yes. obviously, um, and they're doing it with Killing Eve, and then Killing Eve's going to go into that Friday night slot. Now, I reckon they're pulling the heights early for it. Um, you know, I've well, myself and mm, several other people okay. have been critical of the programming of the Heights, uh, and they said they were going to screen sixteen episodes and then having this sort of mid-season break. Well, the Heights has not been on for eight weeks, as far as maybe I'm wrong, maybe my maths is wrong, but it feels to me like they're they're, they're pulling it a couple of weeks early to stick. Killing Eve on at Friday night, 8.30. I get it. Everyone's really anxious to see what happens in the second series, but, um, gee, The Heights has been fantastic. It's 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 gotten better and better for really? me as I keep watching it. Yeah. yeah. Well, really, really great. There's plenty of other drama. spots you could run um, Killing Eve. I mean, you yeah, could put it in the Sunday so. night drama slot. It'd go gangbusters if there. It's, if it's and, and going to be on iView on a Monday night, you could have put it on much earlier and on in the week. Mm. I don't know. Mm. And they're still Thursday nights too. They've, um, well, yeah. they, they seem to really struggle for audiences on Thursday nights in the ABC. And I'm not sure if that's there's something called the Informant that's on now, which I don't know much about. But yeah, gee, it's not many people watching that one. Yeah, it's about a uh, it's a story about a undercover uh, Muslim uh, policeman or investigator who's, you know, trying to find out about a terrorist cell. And of course he gets picked because, you know, he looks like the bad guys. That's my understanding what the show's about. Uh, I just have never got around to seeing it. Yeah. Look, um, for people who haven't realised today, we're in different spots. Well, we, I'm in podcast one in Sydney. Andrew's in podcast one up the highway a couple of hours. 
and our um, yep. I'm looking at the clock and my booking time is um, running out. So let's fire through a few more things, and I'll I'll end up with I'll, I'll say a few things, and I'll come to you to to wrap it up, Andrew. The um, I okay. want to mention this new stand series, which has just started production, the gloaming, which um, sounds pretty interesting with Emma Booth and you and Leslie. Just started, uh, yeah. Just started down in Tasmania. I'm guessing that could be their their New Year's Day drama premiere. So they've started this. That, that's their sort of date, isn't it, for dropping big series? That's at their the moment. thing now. Yep. Yep. So yep. I wouldn't be surprised if that's there. I'm a big fan of. Oh, I'm, I love both Ewan and Emma Booth. Big fan. I'm not why Emma Booth doesn't get more and better roles. I think she's a fantastic mm. actress. I still want to see her as Germaine Greer in. <laughs> I can't remember the Hippie Hippie Shake, I think, was a working title film they made oh, nearly a decade ago and it's never been released. It must be shocking. Hasn't it? No, but she played German. <sighs> it was a film about Richard, Greville, uh, Richard Neville's years in yes. London, right, with all the yep. sort of hippie Australians and Oz Magazine, I guess, and stuff like that. And Emma Booth plays Germaine Greer. I would love to see that. Um, Australian Crime Stories I'm Loving, which has started on Thursday. It's moved back to where it should have been all the time, Sunday nights. Um, Mark Burrows does the voiceover. Adam Shand is- Channel 7. Is sort of, no, 9 on 9. 9. Adam, Adam okay. Shand Oh, yeah, Mark host. Burrows, sorry. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, that's made by the Full Box at uh, Little Boutique Sydney Production Company. They do great work. The The Kerry Packer episode was fantastic about, you might remember the case where he had a, he had a stash of gold in a safe in his office in Park Street and it got stolen and they never were able to solve the case. Um, wow. So, so they, they sort of found out. And look, we've really got a reference. Oh, uh, Arn's Brush with Fame is um, back next, uh, I think it's... Is it next week? No, it's soonish. Anyway, it's um, I think it's sometime mm. in April. Um, Fourteen episodes in this series. Fourteen. Um, yeah, they've done a f- couple of seasons of ten. Now they've got fourteen, I think, in this one, and it's just amazing. And they, it only takes. I spoke to the. Um, it's a story on MediaWeek.com.au with uh, Screen Times EP Johnny Lowry about how they make the show, and they just the celebrities got to give up four hours, and that's it. They go in, they get their makeup and all that sort of stuff done. They sit four hours, done, they're out of there. So it's, wow, uh, it's amazing how it, it turns Look, out that artwork. It's a great show. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great really show. Good. I love Arm. Yeah. We've got to mention Get Kraken, the final episode. Wow. Holy that, mackerel. What yeah. was that, eh? I mean, I, I, was, I was fluffing around the house. I, was, I think I was in the kitchen. I was keeping an eye on the show. I realised it was the last one. And then all of a sudden I thought, yep. hang on, something's happening. So I walked over <laughs> to the set and I just stood there sort of transfixed until that episode finished. Wow. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? Hmm? It was the most incredibly savage satire mm. that maybe has ever aired on Australian TV. Um, and it there were so many in-jokes there. Like I... I uh, have to watch it again as soon as I get time because apparently there was an urn on the set and the urn had the ashes of Australian TV and it was, you know, the starting date of TV in 1956 and the day that Australian TV died, that date was the date of that infamous all-white 
discussion about uh, a new stolen generation of Indigenous on Sunrise. So there's that was the level of in jokes and the way that they had they had thought that stuff through. But I just you know just from a visual point of view, the fact that every time the makeup girl came to do Miranda Tapsell's makeup, she was getting whiter and whiter and whiter. I mean. And you know the way that that show ended, the 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 blistering uh, speeches they gave as they tore out of that studio. Wow! And of course, James predictably, Andrew Bolt <laughs> took him a few days. Uh. Wrote, oh, this disgraceful anti-white racism. You know, this is what the ABC's doing with your taxpayers' money. It's like, guy, man, do you not have any sense of humour at all? How can you look at something like that, which is a send-up of television? And yes, it has a. It's saying some broader things about Australia in general, but it was pretty that that whole show from the beginning has been a send-up of morning TV. How you can you know find a negative in that and say what a disgraceful piece of TV it is? You just have no sense of humour if you, you couldn't see uh, the funny side of that. Yeah, no, it's just incredible stuff. So yeah, you know. Um and it's, it'll be on iView, the last episode of Get Cracking. It'll be there to watch. Yes, yes, absolutely. But just Were they still doing like 15-minute episodes, sticking two of them together? Because there was sort of like a break in the middle of that last episode and I thought, oh, is this – because remember they used to do 15-minute yes. um, things? Were they still doing that, do you think? Or not? Well, we've talked about this before. Have as, we? as a 30-minute oh, okay. show, I often had trouble uh, as it was getting to the second half of the show. I would, I always thought um, it's kind of losing the joke a bit here now. Mm. I kind of mm. often felt it worked better as a 15-minute show. That The 30-minute yeah. format wasn't kind to it towards the end. But that last episode, they had something to say in that last episode. I didn't oh, yeah. notice it dragging in that last episode. <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> I, and I love I, I love. Um, we gave the dump button new meaning, didn't it? As she, um, yes, is it, did is it they ever? Nakaya, is it? Um, Nakaya Louis. Yes, yes. As she left the studio, sort of ready to <laughs> drop one on the carpet. And I had to think of that famous <laughs> that Mick Malloy Tonight Show where he was sort of pissed all over the carpet. And I thought, oh, are we going? That's right. No, he had a dwarf piss in a pot plant oh, or it? something, didn't he? In the well, first I think episode he did, of the Mick Malloy Show. Well, I think didn't he do just pissing too? Got a oh, feeling yeah, in I, know, mind. I know that I know there was I know there was some pissing going on in the first episode, and the show <laughs> never really recovered from that point. Yeah, and there's our segue to Motley Crue as well, too. There, but um, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> look, we're, we're nearly out of time. Have you got anything you want to leave us with? Anything? Um, the only thing I want to uh, tip is uh, you can't ask that back on the ABC on uh, Wednesday nights. First episode, domestic violence victims. Second episode intersex. Now, you know, as someone that has to host the Mardi Gras parade and say LGBTQI, and now apparently there's an A on the end for asexual, and I've always gone, what is intersex? Why are we, you know, this is actually the first time I've ever had it explained to me in detail. And I can finally go, oh, right. I finally understand what intersex is. And yes, Okay, I get it now. I will never ever question you guys again. Yeah, all right, good stuff. And look, Game of Thrones, we're um, less than two yeah. weeks away. 
Looking forward oh, to that. Foxteller, you know, heaps and heaps of uh, specials from HBO, recap specials, getting ready for this season, Throne sure. cast with James Matheson, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, original content, even though it's past clips, uh, as we get ready for this final series. Yeah, yeah. All right, Andrew, look, always great talking to you. Many thanks for that. You can read Andrew's r- regular weekly column at mediaweek.com.au uh, every Friday. And check out our podcast. Great, James. Thanks, Andrew. Bye, mate. Thank you.